Well, good morning, First Baptist. Good morning. Good to have you here on this Connection Sunday. We're excited that you're here. I pray that you are going to get connected somewhere. Uh, ministries kind of take over today, but we're also hoping that you get connected to a study because uh, in about 10 days, our Wednesday night programs begin, uh, but you'll hear more about those in the fall time as we connect people into home or community groups as well. But uh, be it um, ministries or be it um, Bible studies or electives, those are all available out there on the walkway and in the Welcome Center. Uh, you'll see those. But today we are in here to study God's Word, so I'm going to ask you to take out your outline. And um, how, how, just curious, how many of you brought your outline back from last week? Curious to see. All right, all right, extra star on your paper today, all right, all right? If not, if not, we have filled in the outline um, for some of the answers that we gave from last week. If you weren't here last week, we're kind of doing a two-part series, uh, or two-part message in this series on values today, Serving Like Jesus, Part 2. Last week, we shared about the value of ministry, and um, we put that up here on the screen usually every week to kind of get us into it and look at it. You can read it off your paper or the screen but would you read it with me, okay? We believe that God has called and uniquely gifted every believer to serve in the body of Christ. And the verse that we looked at last week was Ephesians 2, chapter 10, or chapter 10, verse 2, which says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works that we do, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them and do them as he has called us to do. And so last week, I really emphasized that the Bible calls you a minister. You are missed. Not just me, it's not just Pastor Scott, not just Pastor Stephen, but you are a minister. And so to get that cross right now, I'm going to have you turn and look at the people on your left and your right, look them straight in the eye and say, you are a minister. Would you say that to them? Do it right now. You are a minister. Okay. I hope you get that and understand that, that you serve, minister of reconciliation, as it says in 1 Thessalonians. And um, uh, I, I prayed last week as well as you found some opportunities to serve that, remember, we talked about that those things in your way that you have kind of things that you're going to do. Those are interruptions on human terms, but they are opportunities that God gives us to serve in his name. And so we talked about serving like Jesus means being available. But what keeps us from being available? We have some barriers. That is self-centeredness, perfectionism, or perhaps laziness that we might get into. And if you did not hear that message last week, I challenge you, go online or out in the Next Step Center. You can um, order a CD and listen to that. But let's transition into this week's message. Here we go. Point number two uh, is this. Serving like Jesus means being faithful. It means being faithful. We talked last week about being available, but now this week talks about being faithful. Don't give up. Keep going. In fact, look what it says there in 1 Corinthians 4.2. It says, moreover, it is required of stewards that they must be found, and there's the word, they must be found faithful. And notice in this verse, or if you go two verses below, two verses above, if you go two chapters before and after, really does not talk about being talented. It talks about being faithful. Because God can do way more with somebody who is available and faithful than someone who is talented 
but apathetic. God doesn't do a lot with apathetic people. If you want to sit in your apathy, you can sit in your apathy. You can just stand back and do nothing. But as long as you are faithful, he will gift you. He will, he will train you. He will equip you to do the work that he has for you to do. And it starts with little things, too. Look at that verse there in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I love how Eugene Peterson translates this in the message. He says, throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or action. It means nothing. Nothing you do in the name of Jesus will go unnoticed. There is no little service in the kingdom. It all matters. I was thinking about that this last week. There's so much in life that we do that really does not matter. It doesn't matter a week from now. It doesn't matter a month from now, a year from now. It doesn't matter a decade from now. It doesn't matter in eternity. But what you do in the name of Jesus matters forever. And so if you are going to be a servant, let me give you a little teaching moment here. You need to know the difference between significance and prominence. Let me, let me tell you the difference between significance and prominence because uh, something does not have to be prominent to be very significant. My nose is prominent on my face, okay? It, it sticks out. It's what you can see. We all kind of see each other's noses. One of the first things we see about someone, probably don't think about it very much, but we, we see it. It's prominent. But my nose could go away. It could be chopped off. I would hope it wouldn't, but it could be. And I could still live. I could still function. However, my heart, my heart is not very prominent, but it's significant. Because without my heart, I could not live. I could not breathe. I could not work. I could not do the things I need to do. So my heart is unseen, not very prominent, but it is definitely significant. This microphone right here, many of you, if you look real close, you can maybe see it, but most of you can't even see it. it it's not very prominent. But it is very, very significant. If I didn't have it, my voice would strain to have to project. You would have to kind of lean in and try and listen. The 1115 service would be even worse because I would be stressing. You couldn't hear me very well. And so I look at this and say, you know, the sound and the tech people who are running the mic and the sound and the lights here, they're all not very prominent. But they are very, very significant. In fact, they think they're so significant that sometimes they tell me they're running the show in, in here, right? And I say, no, you're not. And they say, yes, we are. And I say, no, you're not. You're not running the service around here. But, um, you know, sometimes it can feel that way uh, because of what they do and the, the timing of what they do things. And so sometimes it happens that... All right. Okay, so maybe they are running the show around here, right? No, no. Just a reminder of how significant everyone is, right? Right? In fact, it's great when you don't have to see them back there. When you don't think about them, it's when things are going right. It's when you have to think, oh, I can't hear very well, or I can't, I can't see that, or, you know, the PowerPoint's late that you see. That, that's the idea there behind not very prominent, 
but very, very significant. In fact, those people up in the tech booth, um, they are some of the biggest hearts and the biggest servants around here. Some of them get here at 6.30 in the morning to be here. They stay until 12.30, 1 o'clock, doing all the work that they do and uh, do an incredible job. In fact, we've had a couple of openings up in that area. Yeah, sure, we can say thank you to all of them. Uh, Wayne Pengal, I'm not sure if he's here at this service today, but he has served in that ministry for you. Oh, he is right up there. Yeah. Wayne and Donna are, are moving um, to uh, New Mexico, and so this is actually their last Sunday here. Uh, Ryan Heckman has doing, been doing some work up there for a couple of years, but he is going back to graduate school. Uh, and so, you know, I look and I say, thank you for what you guys have done. Um, and the team has kind of been turning over. It needs more people to step up and say, we'd help. We'll, we'll be a part of a ministry like that. That's in the background, but so, so significant with what we do. Let me, let me share another one with you. Um, there was a number of years ago a service that was done, I believe it was in the Midwest, uh, that two teenage boys tried to go to. It was one of those Sunday night services that many churches had a number of years ago. And um, in this Sunday night service, there was a guest speaker there. It was kind of an evangelistic kind of service. And so these two teenage boys tried to get into the church, looked in the church, did not see any room to sit. And so they turned around and they walked back out. As they were going out into the parking lot, an usher happened to see them leave, ran after them and said, hey guys, if you are here, we don't want you to leave. We want you to come in. Come on, I'll find a place for you to sit. The usher walks in and notice nobody's kind of moving over as he's coming in. Had to walk all the way down to the front and about the second row in, found two seats. They were separated though. He had the people kind of scoot over. The two boys sat there and listened to the message that was given that day. On that day, both those boys gave their life to Christ. One of the boys went by the name Billy Graham. Now, you don't think somewhere in heaven, someplace, somewhere, that usher's going to get a little bit of credit for the work that Billy Graham has done? (laughs) Right? I mean, Billy Graham has literally led hundreds and thousands and thousands of people to the Lord Jesus Christ. That usher was a part of him doing that. Not very prominent, but very, very significant. We have no idea of the small acts and how significant they are in ministry. And please, don't mistake anonymous with insignificant as well. Because there are some people here that they would never want their names shared or known. Let me give you a little quiz. Do you know the names of the people who right now are patrolling out in the parking lots? And some of them even brought you on the golf carts up to have rides to the church. But now they are patrolling in the parking lots, protecting our cars so that they don't get broken into out in the parking lots. Um, do you know their names? Some of you may know some. Probably you don't know many of them. If you have kids... Do you know the names of the Sunday school teachers who right now are teaching your children? Uh, Do you know the names of the musicians who are up here on stage? Do you know the name of the gentleman who's running the sound right now who's been a volunteer for a number of years uh, so that we can hear? Do you know the names of the people who are recording this service right now on video and audio so that it can be duplicated online and given out in CDs and even taken to our shut-ins? People take those to our shut-ins and give them to them so that they can and listen, that's another volunteer who takes them to our shut-ins. Do you know the person who's running the PowerPoint right now so we can see and see the answers and the fill-ins? How about the people who come and set up the drinks 
in the Welcome Center and bring the donut holes. I talked to her today. She reminded me she brings a thousand donut holes in here. You guys eat a lot of donut holes. You didn't you didn't listen to my message a couple of weeks ago, right? No. Um, uh, 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 she brings them. She wakes up early to be able to get them in here so they can be set out. Our ushers and our greeters, you don't probably know their names. You see some of them, but they give you the bulletins so that you can have it. People fold those bulletins. You know who folds those bulletins? That is done by someone anonymous that you don't know. Every week they come in at the same time, say, you ready? They fold this stuff, they fold this stuff, they fold this stuff. About a thousand of those bulletins are stuffed every week. We don't know them, but they're anonymous volunteers who do incredible work. The ushers make sure the chairs are set up how they need to be, and in between services, cleaning up the trash that might be left behind. They are so, so, so important. In fact, you know, I I don't even know all the work that goes on around here, but a couple weeks ago I found out that one mom brings in her two young girls with her, and they go around and they sharpen every pencil that's in these seats and upstairs in those pews that needs to be sharpened. And you know what? Nobody asked them to do that. They, they discovered that these pencils aren't as sharp as they want them to be, and so they came to our staff and said, hey, do you mind if we do this? We said, absolutely. That would be an incredible, incredible ministry. I'm feeling this message. Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church coming on here. But somebody else already got that one, so I'll leave that alone. But that's people just stepping up and saying, can we help? Can we serve in the name of Jesus? Now, in a church this size, some people will say, well, you don't need my help. There, there's so much going on in so many different ministries. Are you kidding? Absolutely, we need your help because of all that we do. In fact, Pastor Scott directed you to this. Take that out again. Again, if you don't know one of the names of those ministries, find out today. I mean, I didn't even know what Call Me Blessed, blessed was. It's a brand new ministry that we have coming in with the challenges and blessings of raising young children and babies. Uh, Circles of Service is, is a wonderful ministry that's been going on for years and years. Again, a lot of work behind the scenes, cutting up bandages, sending them overseas, serving circles of women who are involved in that. Um, top of the back page, Kairos Torch. That's a brand new ministry of a pastor who contacted me and said, hey, we'd love to have you partner with us in helping in the prisons and the inmates there in Stockton. He's from out of town. Actually, it wasn't even a pastor who's running the ministry. He, uh, he, he's a layman who has a passion for seeing this happen. Right outside the Welcome Center, if you want to talk to him, his name is Tom, doing a wonderful job of trying to recruit as many people possible to help with some of the outreach. The mommy meals of bringing meals to new mothers and their families. You know, there, there's ministries that have not even been birthed. I met with someone this last week, a, a, a nurse, who said, I've retired and I want to help transition people from the hospital into their home to see if they're settled in and doing well. That is a ministry that isn't even on here because it hasn't yet taken place, but it was birthed in someone's heart, and the Holy Spirit brought it out, and she met with me, said, can we do it? I said, absolutely, let's take steps, let's see how we can make this happen. Next year, I'm convinced that we'll be on this sheet, and you'll be involved in being able to help a ministry just like that. The Stockton Foundation and other ministries started years and years ago to be able to raise money when people pass on and build a legacy and give to that so that they can go to help missions and scholarships and youth and so many areas around our church. Those are such, such valuable ministries. In fact, as you look at that piece of paper back on the front, you'll see we kind of put the puzzle pieces there. You ever built a puzzle? Could be 100 pieces, uh, you know, 1,000 pieces, whatever it may be. 
and you're missing one? Does that not annoy? Yeah, you're, you're missing one. You look at the whole puzzle and that's the piece you see. Please don't be that piece. Get involved. Serve. Be a part of what's going on here at First Baptist. In fact, if you don't see something on there that you would like to have a ministry and, and, and start to do that, God's putting that upon your heart, speak to one of our pastors. We would help. We would love to see you help birth a new ministry that can be on there next year at this time. You are not here at First Baptist just to sit and take up space. You are here to serve. Come in, yes. Get the filling, kind of like a sponge in a bucket of water. Fill up, but then go out and wring it out. Share the love of Jesus. And, and, and you know, when you wring that out, you bring it back and you get filled up again. You go out and you wring it out. The worst thing is seeing someone who's filled with the water go out. Not a lot disappears. You try and get more. You, try, you can't. You want to be able to go out, wring yourself out, serve in the name of Jesus, then come back in and be filled. In fact, the... Um, there's a cheerleader who's a part of our congregation um, who got connected in with Pastor Barry's Upward program. Uh, really kind of helped revolutionize it. She was a cheerleader over at UOP. Her name is Mindy. She's here in the service today. I don't want to embarrass her. I just want to state a little bit about what she's done. When she was a student at UOP, she got connected in there and helped um, uh, the Upward program, little girls, get in to share and teach what she knew about cheerleading, but then connected to the Bible, connected to Scripture, teaching about the name of Jesus. Uh, for those young students. She was baptized, I believe it was somewhere in 2008 or so here at a crosswalk service. Uh, Then she graduated. She moved away, got married, but had an opportunity to transfer back here to Stockton. When she did, she and her husband, they came back and said, how can we help? We want to again make a difference at the church here at First Baptist. Got her back connected in with Barry. Um, She's ran, uh, recruited, and taught for that ministry uh, throughout the week um, that they, or throughout the weeks that they do the upward program, but then also one week in June running a clinic. And this last year she had a baby. And so her daughter is about one years old now. And I thought for sure we'd never see her at that clinic again. But lo and behold, there she was. She comes in. She says, I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to leave it again. Have you ever seen like someone do cheerleading moves with a baby on their back and they're just doing these moves and such? I, I, I mean, that's someone who just steps out and says, let me serve. Nothing's going to stop me from serving. I get to share what God's put in my heart, and I get to connect it to the name of Jesus. I get to lift him up high. You know, isn't it a blessing that even as you are here today, that we have people over in the children's building who um, uh, are rocking and holding and praying over young babies so that moms and dads can come and hear and enjoy a time when we can listen to God's word Someone's doing that. You might not know even their name, but they're anonymous. They're serving. Prayer words we have going on around here. Sunday mornings, we, we pray at 7 o'clock, 7.10 in the Welcome Center, just praying around the circle. We have people who pray through these services. You, you see these altar flowers here? They are brought in every week. They don't just get thrown out uh, Sunday afternoon or Monday morning. You know what happens with those? They get cut up. They get rearranged. And they get brought to shut-ins and people in the hospital who can have them in their hospital rooms. Somebody has to do that work. Somebody has to deliver them. We put a note on there, say, the people of First Baptist are praying for you. That doesn't just happen. It happens because someone steps out and says, I have a gift, I have some time, I'll do that. You know when you, when you take communion and we pass those trays down there, there's like 50 different cups in there? That grape juice doesn't just jump into those cups, okay? Let me be real honest about it. 
And I know the gal who does that. She's in the service right now. A lot of times she has her daughter who helps her with it. It happens because someone says, I want to do this. I want to give people an opportunity to take the bread, to take the cup. But somebody's got to help make that happen. Our praise teams and our choirs are coming back. If you have the gift of singing and music, be faithful now. That's a little bit more of a prominent type of ministry, but it takes somebody being faithful. We have singles who are doing so much work with the ministry fair. They wear these green shirts, and they help us on the campus of making everything work together. If you're retired, our school would love to have you volunteer and help in there. We have a booth out there again that you can go talk to Mrs. Blary or someone from the school, even our office and our grounds. If you want to come here at First Baptist, say, how can I help. Last week I talked and I put a big push on community group leaders. We had a great time in the Welcome Center last week, but you know what? I didn't realize this. Pastor Susie told us that we did not have enough community groups last year in the fall time when we did not a fan. She had to turn people away from getting into groups because we didn't have enough leaders. And again, if that's you, please step up. Let us know. You can talk to Pastor Mike at the Faith Formation Group or Pastor Susie is right next to him out in the Welcome Center. Let us know that you're able to help with that. God brought you here to hear his word. And when you hear his word, put it into practice. He brought you here to give back and to serve. In fact, look at the verse there out of Hebrews 6, verse 10. It says, He will not forget how hard you have worked for him. And now you have shown your love to him by caring for other what? What does it say? Other Christians. We're called to help and to serve one another. You're saved to serve. And as the saying goes, the pay is not that great, right? But the benefits are out of this world. Literally, that's where your rewards are received and reaped. Your benefits, your, your blessings are out of this world. Now, some of you might say, you know what? I, I just don't feel like I'm very qualified to serve. If you've been saved, then God has a ministry for you to serve, and he will gift you in that. But let me say it in this way. Um, many pages in your Bibles are filled with biographies, especially in the Old Testament, of people's lives who are written off written up, and some of the things that they served in. You will see stories in there about Abraham and about Isaac. You'll see stories in there about Moses. You'll see stories in there about so many other godly people, none of them whom I'm sure felt like they were qualified to serve. But those people were made out of the same substance as your body is made out of. They were not some supernatural types of people who are meant to be held up in this high esteem. They are people just like you, put their pants on the same way as you do, only they had robes in the Bible days, I guess. Didn't have pants to put on. But, but you get the point there, right? That, that they're just like you. They're not some like wax museum people who, ah, let's just put them in history and that's where they are. No, they're real people. In fact, I love what Howard Hendricks said about this. He said, um, studying the spiritual biographies leaves us without excuse. He says, I find it tears away every excuse which I try and palm off to God as a reason why I'm not living more effectively for him. But such a study into biographies give a sense of hope. I can't say I can't be done because they did it. And they are real-life people given real-life situations who became real-life examples for us. In fact, let me, let me turn to, would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11? 
Hebrews chapter 11 is affectionately known as kind of the hall of faith. Not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith. And Hebrews 11 is where the writer of Hebrews goes through and one by one by one by one starts telling about the faith of some of these heroes and the things that they did. And then he does something interesting. At the end of Hebrews chapter 11, where we now have it marked as Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He's saying, you have been called. Come up to the finish or come up to the starting line and run your race. Serve as God has called you to serve. And so let me put in here, you're next to the, um, uh, on the back page, your next answer, your fill-in. And that is serving like Jesus means letting go. Letting go of your agenda letting go of your priorities, letting go of perhaps your timing, letting go of perhaps your worries, letting go of your inadequacies, letting go of all the things. The Hebrew, writer of Hebrews said it that way. He said, let us lay aside every weight. Let us take those things that hold us back. Don't doubt that God has called you to do something because you can do it. Now, what kind of doubt are we talking about? There's an interesting story that Dr. Tony Campolo shares. He's a professor at Eastern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. He tells a story about a plane ride that he was on from Philadelphia to Colorado, who was going to a church to do some teaching. And um, he, he talked about being on this plane that it must have been in the probably the early 70s or so when they would have smoking sections in a plane, right? Which was kind of bizarre because the smoke goes all the way through the cabin if you start smoking there. But he comes in late, and the last seat they have was one on the aisle right behind the smoking section and he sits down there and he's allergic to smoke and so he's kind of irate at this but there's this huge kind of arrogant businessman who pulls out a cigar cigar and lights it up and just starts puffing away at it in fact he leaned back and he kind of blow blew those smoke rings out over the rest of the airplane and everybody's getting a little irritated at this and Tony Campolo starts to pray he says god he says i pray lord please make that guy stop smoking just about that time, one of the stewardesses came through, and they were serving drinks at that time, and so they had the cart there, and they stopped the cart, and then she filled up these, her tray with these, these cups of water, and so she turns around, and she starts taking the water up the rest of the aisle, and it was just then that the plane hit some turbulence, and so she spills all of the water on top of this man, it douses out her, his cigar, and she ends up landing in the lap of Tony Campolo. And Tony says, I, 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 I looked up and smiled. I looked at him. I looked at her. And I said, there is a God. Now, I'm not talking about that kind of doubt, whether there's a God or not. I'm talking about the kind of doubt that makes us, makes us apprehensive. That makes us kind of wish, makes us kind of non-committal. 
You know what kind of doubt that is? It's talked about in James 1, 6, and 7. Look at what it says. It says, For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Again, go back to some of these biographies here in Hebrews. Abraham and Sarah had a doubting problem. They doubted God's promises, whether they were really going to be able to have a baby or if they were going to really be able to have a heritage and a lineage that God had promised to them. Moses, champion of the faith, you know he doubted? He doubted his ability to be able to lead the Israelites out of the Egypt, out of the land of Pharaoh. He thought he was inadequate with what God had called him to do. You look at Joseph. You just go through these stories, even in Genesis. Joseph, he doubted God's timing. He sat in jail for years, forgotten, saying, God, is this really what you've called me? Is this where you've called me to be at this time? Are you sure you haven't messed this one up? You know, some of you are in here today, and you may feel like you are in your jail. You are in your prison, just like Joseph was. He was at the low of the low, but he remained faithful. And God brought him back up to the service and the ministry that he was supposed to do in ruling over second command all of Egypt in due time. What about Jonah? Jonah doubted God's instructions and doubted, you know, is that really best? You know, I know you've called me to go here, but I would rather go this way. Some of you are in that boat right here today as well. You've been going this, God has called you to do this and to do this ministry, but you've been going this way. God, I don't want to do that. I'm going this way. Today, God's allowing you a U-turn. He's a God of U-turns. He's saying, serve me faithfully. Be available, serve me faithfully. Let go of the things that are keeping, let go of your fears, let go of your doubts, just like many in scriptures have done. Joshua doubted God's call in his life. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Timothy doubted his role. He was a little bit more introverted. But Paul steps in and says, Timothy, don't be timid in this. Don't let them look down on your youth. Go. You need to make a difference. Thomas, you remember what his name is called? Doubting Thomas. He doubted the words of Jesus. He doubted the resurrection of Jesus. He doubted that Jesus was who he says that he was. Even Peter, one of the three closest friends, three closest disciples of Jesus, doubted God's forgiveness. He thought he was a failure. He thought he had messed up. He thought he had outworn his welcome and God could not use him anymore. Remember what Jesus did? He comes and he says, Peter, uh uh-uh. Step back in. Feed my sheep. Peter, we didn't want to listen to it. Yes, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, I don't want to listen. Yes, feed my sheep. Whatever personal failure you have gone through does not disqualify you. Might set you on the sidelines for just a bit. That's okay. Don't stay there. Get back in the game and serve because God has called you a minister. He has saved you so that you can play in the game, so that you can serve and point people towards Jesus. I know some of you probably saw yourself in some of those people, but all those people were used by God. That tells me you can as well. Give up your doubt. The second thing I wrote down, uh, wrote on the um, fill-ins on the back page were now let go of your distractions. Let go of distractions that you have in life. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus says out of Luke chapter uh, 9. Um, what's a distraction? A distraction is anything less important than God's purpose for your life. 
If you're settling, you're getting distracted. Your eyes are not focused on where God wants you to be focused. Focus on, tear off the things that hinder you. Tear off the sin that entangles you. Don't get distracted. Look up, the finish line, run towards that. Let me share one last one, and it's this. Let go of discouragement. Let go of the discouragement that you might face. Satan's going to want to discourage you. In fact, you may be, okay, I'll get involved. I'll look around. I'll see what's there. You might even have one, and someone comes by and says, what? You think you can serve that area? I'm not so sure. Now, don't let someone discourage you. If you feel the Spirit is working in you, follow that. I told you I was going to end or talk a little bit about Joshua. Joshua could have got discouraged when Moses didn't make the promised land. God said, Joshua, you're my man. You are going to be the one to do it now. And so he's taken over for Moses. He's supposed to lead the Israelites into the promised land. He's thinking, can I really do this? And look at what God tells him in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. He says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give to them. Only be strong and be very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Now listen to this last verse in 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and be what? Do not be what? And do not be, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Again, I don't know what God's putting on your heart. But if you have been called to be in his family, he expects you to serve within his family. He expects you to make a difference. Do not, do not be a part of helping or of causing someone not to make the promised land. Can you imagine if Joshua would have said, God, I can't do it. God stepped in there and said, be strong, be courageous, do not be dismayed. And I happen to believe on good record that if God calls you to do something, he will also equip you to do something and he will also have his presence with you while you're doing that? In fact, there are some times when we may think, well, God, I, I really can't do this without you, where God says, that's exactly how I want it done. I mean, every week when we step in here, I know when I step into this pulpit, I say, God, this is not done in my power. It is done in your power. I cannot do this without you. This is you speaking. God, you go. Just use me. Available. Try to be faithful. I try and let go of those excuses. I pray, First Baptist, you will be doing the same. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have had here today to talk about serving 
and doing it the way that Jesus would want us to do it. God, may we be available people. May we be yes people when you call. May we serve with an incredible amount of faithfulness. And may we serve by letting go of the things that distract us. May we serve by letting go of the things that discourage us. God, may we let go of the things that cause doubts in our hearts and our lives. So, Lord, my prayer is that everybody here in this sanctuary will be able to leave this building and as they walk off this campus, they will be able to know more about an area that they can serve in. Folks, please do not let the distractions of walking out to your car or what you may have going on this afternoon keep you from getting connected. Please do not let Satan plant seeds in your mind. Ah, they don't need you. They don't need you to be involved. Yes, this church does. This church is only as good. This church is only as good as the people who are serving in it. And God, we know we are no good without your spirit living inside of us. Thank you for your salvation message that has called us to save us. I thank you for so many across this auditorium who love you, who know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Folks, if there be anybody here today, though, that does not know the name of Jesus in a personal way, I would be thrilled to get to talk with you about that. Instead of you going out to the Welcome Center in the walkway, you can come right down here. And we can talk more about God's incredible love for you. The fact that he has saved you, and when you understand what that means, then you get to serve in his name. Lord, I thank you for literally hundreds across this auditorium who have said yes to you, who have been baptized in your name, who are serving in your name, who love you with all their heart. Lord, I pray, I pray that if they're not connected, that today might be a day that they join on the team and they serve in your name. Lord, nothing that we do in your name goes unnoticed. May we make a difference for eternity today. We love you, for it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.